Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to Instant Analysis here on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Coming to you following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 49-27 win over the Auburn Tigers in the 2022 Iron Bowl at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Alabama now with an 11th Iron Bowl win under Nick Saban. Saban improves to 11-5 all-time in Iron Bowls. And the Crimson Tide for the 15th season in a row. Ten wins. That is a new college football record. Now, look, you're going to have some Florida State folks. Some other folks say, yeah, well, this is the 12-game regular season era. Whatever. Still a very impressive feat for Alabama football under Nick Saban. And it didn't come entirely easy. You know, I kind of anticipated a grinder on Saturday between these two teams. Maybe not to the extent of last year's matchup, which was 10-10 heading into the first of four overtimes at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But the Alabama offense certainly showed up on Saturday. And Bryce Young, if it was his final performance, not only at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but we'll see with how this playoff thing could shake out. Still some things going on even on this Saturday night that could impact Alabama's chances there. Got some good news earlier in the day when both Oregon and Clemson went down. You also had Ohio State getting hammered at home by Michigan. So still some things the Alabama Crimson Tide needs to work in its favor. Notre Dame coming back here in the second half tonight would certainly help out in Los Angeles against USC. Um, and some things to consider even going into the uh, championship weekend, TCU primarily. But if this is it for Bryce Young, a pretty, pretty damn good performance to call it a career on at Alabama. He throws for 343 yards. First couple of pass attempts of the game went incomplete, but then... Then the deep passing game, something we haven't seen a lot of from this Alabama offense, especially since Bryce sustained that shoulder injury against Arkansas back on October the 1st. But there it was. His third pass attempt there in the first quarter goes for 52 yards to Jermaine Burton. That's been an improving trend between Young and Burton here of late. We've seen them connect on multiple touchdown passes here in the last couple of three games. Well, it was good to see the deep ball early for the Alabama passing attack. And so Bryce gets going with that 52-yarder. Then he comes back a little bit later, and he's able to hook up with Ja'Cory Brooks on a 32-yard touchdown pass. Um, So it was a mix, a really nice mix early. Bryce had the rushing touchdown early that answered the Auburn touchdown with Robbie Ashford on the 24-yard touchdown run. And boy, I think Robbie Ashford, Robbie Ashford might still be running inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. But Bryce answers with a rushing score of his own. Jason McClellan gives you a 10-yard touchdown reception from Bryce. Um, Roydell Williams got some good blocking there from the left side of that offensive line there early in the second quarter to give Alabama a 21-7 lead. And then 
Auburn answers with the 20-yard touchdown pass from Robbie Ashford to Javarius Johnson there. Brian Branch had pretty good coverage, got beat a little bit on a wheel concept, and look, give Ashford credit. He put that throw on the money, and that was really, you thought, going into the game, and we'll talk more about the Alabama defense coming up in just a little bit, but you thought that had to be the plan for Alabama. You didn't like seeing that play if you're an Alabama fan, but at least you made Ashford deliver an accurate throw in a red zone type of situation. What you did not want to happen if you were Alabama, given the previous three games, and we wrote about it all week at BamaOnline.com, talked about it all week at BamaOnline.com, you could not let Robbie Ashford beat you with his legs. He got you on the touchdown pass there, and so that's when you came back with Ja'Cory Brooks on the 32-yarder. Ja'Cory has a thing about deep balls down the, the Auburn sideline, doesn't he? Man, he had the memorable one on the Plains a year ago that sent that game into overtime. He does it once again in the 2022 Iron Bowl. And then, in a continuance of spreading of the wealth from Bryce, that was so good to see. And we'll talk about explosive plays and not just the number of them that Alabama had. You know, for Alabama and Bryce, he averaged right around a little more than 10 yards per pass attempt in the game Saturday. First time he's done that since the game he was injured in, Arkansas. He, uh, in an abbreviated performance in Fayetteville, uh, he averaged more than 10 yards per completion or attempt, excuse me, per attempt. So this was the first time in basically two months that we've seen Alabama with that type of explosiveness in the passing game and Treshawn Holden. Hello, Treshawn Holden there in the second quarter. And, you know, he scores on a really nice play call. You got to give it up to Bill O'Brien. I know a lot of you folks have been on Bill. But that was a very nice play call against the defense that Auburn had called. And Treshawn turns it into a 27-yard touchdown reception. And you go into the half up 35-14. to 14. You're feeling good about the mix you're getting on offense between the run game. Good to see a healthy and available Jameer Gibbs for the first time in six quarters. You saw a continuation of some of the two-back Uh, looks that Alabama has used throughout the season. You saw a continuation of Robbie Oots. We talk about how Alabama was able to spread the ball around in the passing game. You had nine different receivers catch passes. Not just that, but you talk about, again, those explosive plays for Alabama. You had 10 pass plays of 15 yards or more, and you had, I want to say, five or six different receivers that were on the end of those from Bryce Young, whether it was uh, Jermaine Burton very early with that 52-yarder, and then Robbie Oots had a couple of them, had a couple of 17-yard receptions for the second-year tight end. And what I like about Robbie Oots, and I thought you saw more of this in the game too, in particular early you saw Oots and Kendrick Law because JoJo Earl goes out of the game, then we see more of Kendrick Law And Kendrick Law has been a staple on special teams, and we've seen him some at the wide receiver position. Uh, But some really good perimeter blocking. It came a little late in the season, uh, but we're seeing it nonetheless. Robbie Oots, the last couple of games, has done a good job with that. Kendrick Law has done a good job with that. And also, Kendrick Law gave you one of those explosive plays on a 39-yard reception there in the second quarter. So whether it was Treshawn Holden on his touchdown catch, Robbie Oots a couple of times, 
Kendrick Law, Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, really able to get balanced, explosive play production from the receiving core. You even saw Tyler Harrell out there in the second half. Now, Tyler more of a uh, decoy, I'd say, when he was in the game on Saturday. But uh, only real blemish for Bryce, that interception there in the fourth quarter. Uh, looked like he was thinking one thing with Cameron Latou. And you got to give Owen Papo some credit there because Alabama had hurt Auburn earlier, I want to say maybe even earlier in the quarter uh, with Latou there in the middle of the field working between those linebackers. And Auburn tried to mix zone with some man-to-man. I thought Alabama was more effective against man-to-man coverage in the game uh, than against zone. I thought Auburn did Alabama some favors when it did go to man-to-man, and some of that had to do with the rushing success that Alabama was having. Alabama was able to run the ball well enough that even if Auburn wanted to stay in split safeties or two deep safeties, Alabama was going to run it well enough to sort of get them out of that, and Bryce's legs were a big part of it. Uh, Five carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown for Bryce. Uh, Jameer goes 17 for 76 and a touch. Jace McClellan, 11 for 44. So yards per carry-wise, when you look at the Alabama backs, not a lot in the way of big numbers there. Uh, But ball security was good. And the offensive line, in terms of pass protection, when you think about last year's game down at Auburn and those seven sacks by the Tigers, pass protection was so much improved compared to what we saw down there a year ago. And that's even with Seth McLaughlin having to leave the game temporarily there with uh, Darian Dahlcourt coming on in the second quarter. McLaughlin was able to return. But for Auburn in the game defensively, just three tackles for loss, no sacks, and two quarterback hurries. Yeah, you can certainly live with that if you're Alabama. And specifically, when you looked at this Auburn defense, as we wrote about and talked about throughout the week, you were thinking Caleb, uh, excuse me, you were thinking Wooden, um, and also uh, and also the other edge. Gosh, what am I thinking here? Yeah, you're thinking Derek Hall. Derek Hall on the other side, and then you also get into uh, – you get into Marcus Harris there on the inside. Now, Alabama, I think Tyler Booker was in there late in the second quarter, and Harris was able to beat Booker for a tackle for loss, which, eh, it wasn't the biggest of deals because if you're Alabama, you're getting the ball to come out to start the third quarter, and come out to start the third quarter, Alabama certainly did when you consider that it took that kickoff and that possession there to open the second half and proceeded to go 75 yards and seven plays for excuse me yeah nine plays and 72 yards for a touchdown in four minutes and 54 seconds and at 42 to 14 you really felt like it was gonna take a complete collapse from Alabama and as much as anything even at 42 to 14 you're worried about the Alabama defense as much as anything else because while you did have that 21 point lead at the half it wasn't because the Alabama defense was just absolutely stonewalling the Auburn offense with an emphasis on the Auburn run game which I got to tell you, 318 yards, I believe it was, from Auburn on the ground, that was a little bit mystifying to me, not because I don't think that 
you know, Robbie Ashford can hurt you with his legs, and we all know about Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Been talking about this guy for a while now. A very capable one-two punch just at the running back position. But, you know, to give up 318 yards when you had seen this offense in the previous three weeks do what it essentially did Saturday. Now, I know Saban postgame talked about some of the retro nature of the Auburn run game, we'll call it. He went as far as to say, and he meant this in a complimentary fashion. It wasn't dismissive or anything like that. He, I think he admired it, that uh, it was very, very throwback. Uh, there was, I think he called it single wing, but single wing, wing tee, you saw some things, especially perimeter base, that Alabama just struggled with defensively from start to finish. It never really got better, and it never really resulted in Auburn having to do the one thing it didn't want to do on offense, and that was put the game on Ashford and his receivers. And so Auburn, after rushing in the first half for, I believe it was, one hundred and first half rushing yards for Auburn, one thirty-three. Go for one eighty-five. So just because you're up thirty-five, fourteen, forty-two, fourteen, it doesn't mean Auburn was going to get away from the run because really it was the two turnovers by Auburn that were unforced essentially. And you had the fumble by Jarquez Hunter where he kind of has the ball knocked out while colliding a little bit with his left tackle. Kudos to DJ Dale. He's hustling on the play. The play is away from him and to the perimeter, but the big man gets out there and gets the takeaway. And then you have the, well, Auburn folks are certainly going to refer to it as controversial. And I'll tell you, I didn't think watching it uh, that it was a ball that was touched, or I couldn't say for sure. But the bottom line is it was ruled a fumble on the field. And uh, I know you can talk about, well, the ball didn't turn. Well, the ball was kind of turning on its own. So who's to say it wasn't touched by the Auburn return man? I, I still was surprised uh, that it wasn't overturned and in, in, in the ball given to Auburn. But it went to Alabama. And really, those are the two things that essentially helped Alabama get that separation. Now, it still required some getting done by the Alabama offense. And really, when we talk about the best friend of the Alabama defense on Saturday afternoon, it was clearly those unforced turnovers by Auburn. And then it was also uh, an Alabama offense that, that made good use of those opportunities. And so Bryce did it a couple of times because you had second and 20 on a couple of possessions there in the second quarter that Alabama had to overcome. I think some penalties played into that. Not a great game for Alabama in terms of penalties again on Saturday, but when you've got a healthier, it appeared anyway, Bryce Young to go along with a receiving core that looks finally to be more on the same page with Bryce than it's been at any point this season, you start converting some of these second and 20s and turning these opportunities in the tu- into touchdowns. Alabama did that in the second quarter. And that was most of your ball game right there. And they were sequences that you need to cherish if you're an Alabama fan. Because who knows, maybe next year... If Bryce Young moves on the NFL, his successor will step in there and you know do what Bryce did in his first year as a starter. I, 
I, maybe. I, I, I'm not as comfortable in expecting that, maybe, as some folks are. Uh, but perhaps that will prove to be the case. The bottom line is Bryce has always had that ability to erase mistakes and turn deficits into positives, and he did that a couple of times, and his receivers, and his protection again. Got to talk about the Alabama protection throughout the game as being exemplary uh, from the guys up front. So the Alabama defense, uh, I just it just seemed like they never could get a grasp on what was coming at them. And again, there had been three weeks of tape of Auburn committed to this approach. I mean, Robbie Ashford had not attempted more than 22 passes in any of the previous three games. This was not Alabama in 1971 switching to the wishbone before going out to play USC, okay? This is stuff that was on tape. Could there have been some specials that Auburn put in, like the the perimeter game stuff that we saw? Heck yeah, there could have been. But, you know, part of me just kept waiting for Alabama to say, look, we're just going to go. You want to go retro? We'll go retro. Here's our base defense. Here's our 3-4. And until your quarterback shows us he can beat us, throwing the football, you're going to have to run the ball against our base. And actually, about the third possession of the game for Auburn, Alabama went to some of that. I think it was the third possession. I'm looking it up here now on the play-by-play. And, yeah, Alabama goes to base on first and 10 from the Auburn. It's the Auburn 25. And Auburn tries to run Tank Bigsby right, loss of four yards. Uh, try to throw it on second and 14, short left to Tank's big, Tank Bigsby, loss of one yard. So I know Alabama likes to play. It's heavy nickel. But against this Auburn run game, I think you could have almost played goal line defense the whole game and done a better job than Alabama did for much of the game on Saturday. That's not to say there weren't some performances uh, worth noting there were. Uh, Henry Toa was better as the game went on. Now, again, there were some instances like, I don't know, what, third and goal from the damn 14-yard line? And you know, even in that situation, Auburn does not want to throw the football. Auburn it will run quarterback draw from the 14 on third and goal. They will do it. The only time that there's really a situation where – Auburn is going to commit to throwing it uh, is, well, more than probably third and 14. But sure enough, they motion the back out of the backfield. Toa Toa vacates the middle of the field. Here comes the quarterback draw, and there it goes for a touchdown. I just, it, it was mind-boggling to me. I, I, it was, it was kind of tough to watch, but uh, Toa Toa ended up with eight tackles. Half tackle for loss. That was a half sack that he had in the game. Uh, Deontay Lawson, the other inside linebacker for Alabama, uh, saw him really wire to wire on Saturday. Although, Toa Toa, if you saw the broadcast, he had that sort of injury to the bridge of his nose. And so he had to come out there. And that was interesting because Lawson stayed in there. And it was Sean Murphy, the true freshman that came on that I saw anyway, uh, to join uh, Deontay Lawson. So, a busy game, as you might expect, for Alabama's two inside linebackers. Also a busy game for DeMarco Hellams with six tackles, five of those 
were solos. Alabama finished the game, and we kind of anticipated a big tackle for loss game, maybe for both defenses. It didn't happen for Auburn. For Alabama, it looked good at the end. Had just two tackles for loss in the first half, but added six in the second half. Four of those were sacks. All of that came in the fourth quarter for the Alabama defense. First three quarters, uh, just two tackles for loss. Uh, one pass breakup in the game for Alabama. That came from DeMarco Hellams, who's really been solid throughout the season. You did have eight quarterback hurries. Now, finishing on the quarterback wasn't always easy, but like we talked about with Bryce Young, if this was it for Will Anderson, pretty nice performance to go out on. Five total tackles of that total. Three were for loss. He had two sacks and a couple of quarterback hurries. And look, fourth quarter, don't get me going about the 12 men on the field. You know, we want to try to keep this as positive as we possibly can. But you're coming out of a timeout that you called. You call timeout because you're making sure that, okay, guys, understand this. This is a situation that 95% of the time during the course of a season, we're going to anticipate the football being thrown. But if we didn't talk it about talk about it enough during the week, we got to understand that this is, you know, potentially anyway, a run play for the Auburn offense. It's fourth and eight. Auburn has to go here. Ashford has just been sacked by Chris Braswell on the previous play. So it is fourth and eight from the Auburn 20. Alabama calls timeout, comes out of the timeout, has 12 men on the field, gets flagged for it. A wild play anyway, right? There's a fumble. Ashford ends up with the football, tries to throw a pass. Looks like Eli Ricks is going to have the pass breakup, but there is a flag on the field. 12 men on the field coming out of a timeout, and not just any timeout, a CBS TV timeout. I mean, there's half times in the National Football League that are, uh, that are shorter than CBS commercial timeouts, and you still get the 12 men on the field. And then, of course, on fourth and three, what does Ashford do? He runs 31 yards. And uh, a few plays later, Auburn's in uh, – actually, Auburn had to settle for a field goal. So you did a good job once you got down in the red zone a little bit there. Um, and, and you're able to get off the field with an Alex McPherson field goal. But it's just still situations like that, you know, 12 games into the season with all of this experience that Alabama brought back and with a multi-year defensive coordinator that Alabama brought back. You're still seeing some of this stuff. And I know, look, back around the Texas A&M game, you you would have thought I told a four-year-old there's no such thing as Santa Claus when I criticized Alabama's defensive performance in the win over Texas A&M. But this defense hasn't really been the same since that point. And, you know, it's, it's disappointing on some levels because there were expectations for that side of the football to be dominant. And I think if you look at this team as a potential college football playoff team right now, the teams in front of it would not want to see Bryce Young in the way that he's trending right now. The Alabama defense, on the other hand, uh, I don't know if it'd keep that many people up at night. You know, I don't know if it's keeping Munkin of Georgia up at night. You know, I don't know if it's keeping Jim Harbaugh up at night. And you want to know why? 
because both those teams would love to play the game between the hash marks. Now, Auburn's versatility in the run game is something a little different than what Alabama has seen. It wasn't just the quarterback, and it wasn't just Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby. Um, There was some really good design going on there. Uh, But at the end of the day, there are yards to be made still against this Alabama defense, and that was evident once again on Saturday. Again, though, you like the takeaways once again. Um, Even if they were basically gifts in a lot of ways, you take them. And Alabama was able to make good on those. And that was really the difference in the game. Special teams, we talk about that fumble recovery. Give Neyland Hibbett credit, too. Similar to how D.J. Dale kept playing and made that recovery of the Hunter fumble there in the first half. Same for Neyland Hibbett, Alabama's long snapper. You don't take for granted that the kid, the guy didn't touch the ball. You jump on the football like Terry and Arnold did at Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. So good on Neil and Hibbett for that. What about Will Reichard's tackle? You want to talk about maybe a saving tackle? What about Will Reichard on the kickoff, the tackle he was able to make on Jarquez Hunter? That had the potential to go big as well. I didn't think the two teams ended up having to punt the football as much as I thought either. Last season, they punted a combined 17 times at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Just seven between them this time. James Burnup, three punts, long of 47, 45.3. Um, you still have some penalty issues with Alabama special teams um, You know that can be problematic from time to time. But all in all, uh, special teams were a plus because you got the takeaway there uh, from Neil and Hibbett on the muff of the the James Burnett punt there uh, in the second quarter, I believe that was. Yeah, second quarter, because Hunter's fumble was in the first quarter. So there you go. The Alabama Crimson Tide 10-2 and two, and hoping for more. Now, based on what we see here in the next seven, eight days or so, your guess as to what Alabama's roster for postseason play will look like is as good as mine. Obviously, if you make the college football playoff somehow, that changes things dramatically. If you're not in the college football playoff, maybe you're in the Sugar Bowl or you know, you're know you in a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, you, you, you expect to see a vastly different, uh, potentially anyway, uh, roster for this Alabama football team in the postseason. For now, though, you enjoy the Iron Bowl victory. Auburn in the market for a new head coach once again. A lot of talk about Hugh Freeze here over the last 24 hours. Lane Kiffin is out. He has signed on a new extension there at Ole Miss. Uh, What happens with Cadillac Williams potentially? You know, I was thinking about it. And under Nick Saban, Auburn has broken in new head coaches in home Iron Bowl matchups each of the four times that it has made changes. If you go back to Chiswick, he came in for Tommy Tuberville. His first Iron Bowl, Jordan-Hare Stadium, 2009. Then you get Gus Malzahn in there for Chiz. Gus Malzahn's first Iron Bowl as a head coach at Auburn, 2013 at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, You go to Brian Harson here most recently. He checks in for Gus. His first Iron Bowl home game, 2021, Jordan-Hare Stadium. And that'll be the case again next year, assuming it isn't 
Cadillac Williams, who is promoted to the full-time gig. Another new Auburn head coach making his Iron Bowl debut at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It almost feels like sometimes the decision is made to try to give that next head coach the advantage of a home Iron Bowl to get him out of the gate. I don't know. Maybe just me. Maybe just me reaching there. Wouldn't be the first time, right? As far as the rest of the SEC goes this weekend, uh, you've got some bowl eligibility that was on the line. Missouri gets there with a win over Arkansas on Friday. Pretty thrilling game between the Florida Gators and Florida State on Friday night. Didn't like that game being played on a high school playoff Friday night after Thanksgiving, but it was entertaining nonetheless. The Gators see their three-game win streak in that series come to an end as the Knolls get it done, 45-38. to You had your turkey game Thursday night. Mike Leach gets his first Egg Bowl win with the victory over Elaine and Ole Miss. Both those teams 8-4 and four now on the season. Um, and as we speak, Texas A&M LSU at last check, that was a Texas A&M lead 24-17. to 17. You had a scoop and score there defensively for the Aggies to give them that lead. Um, and that's just about it. Georgia took care of Brent Key and Georgia Tech. Again, I've told you many, many times here in the last few weeks, Bill O'Brien has been a prominent name on that list in Atlanta. We'll see how that plays out. So it's not just the roster that you're going to be keeping an eye on. Maybe some coaching news, too, here in the next few days. Tennessee Vandy. uh, Tennessee was up handily at the half last check. And again, South Carolina, man, what a couple weeks for Shane Beamer. Knock off Tennessee last week and then take care of Dabo Sweeney and that 40-game home win streak at Clemson. On Saturday, South Carolina, 8-4. and four. I think Beamer's about to get a pretty nice extension there in Columbia. What do you think of that? Kentucky took care of its end of the SEC-ACC challenge with a grinding win over Louisville earlier in the day. So there you go. That's where it's at in the SEC. We will keep you up to speed as best we can. Big recruiting weekend. So Tim Watts, Hank South. Really keep your eyes and ears open for recruiting news here in the next few days at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable there at BOL. And as always, we appreciate you joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, we hope you will do so, both to BamaOnline.com and to the Bama Online Podcast. If you'd leave us a rating and a review for the BOL Podcast, we would appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer saying thanks once again, and until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.